All right, school is in session. So take your seats and turn up the volume. volume. It's time for the smartest fishing show on the internet. This is the show that dives into everything fishing from tactics and gear to policy and product. Here he is, the fishing professor, Professor Sid Dobrin. So stick around, you might learn something. The continent of Atlantis was an island which lay before the Great Flood in the area we now call the Atlantic Ocean. So great an area of land that from her western shores those beautiful sailors journeyed to the south and the North Americas with ease and their ships with painted sails. To the east, Africa was a neighbor across a short strait of sea miles. The great Egyptian age is but a remnant of the Atlantean culture. The antediluvian kings colonized the world. All the gods who play in the mythological dramas, in all the legends from all the lands, were from fair Atlantis. Knowing her fate, Atlantis set out ships to all corners of the earth. On board were the twelve, the poet, the physician, the farmer, the scientist, the magician, and the so-called gods of our legends. Though gods they were, and as the elders of our time choose to remain blind, let us rejoice, and let us sing, and dance, and ring in the new. Hail Atlantis! Way down below the ocean, where I want to be, she may be. Way down below the ocean, where I want to be, she may be. Hey, welcome to the Inventive Fishing Fishing Professor Rodcast. I am Sid Dobrin, the Fishing Professor. I am not Donovan. But how can we forget such a great tribute to the world's oceans? Donovan's 1968 classic hit, Atlantis. And if you don't recall the song because my melodious cover just doesn't ring the ship's bell, or maybe you just weren't a hippie because the song really did get picked up as a hippie anthem. But maybe you remember that great scene in Goodfellas when Tommy DeVito, played by Joe Pesci, and Jimmy Conaway, played by Robert De Niro, lay a beating on Billy Batts, played by Frank Vincent in the bar, while Atlantis plays on the soundtrack, creating a fantastic dichotomy between the hippie tune of peace and fantasy against the visual of the brutal violence of the mob beatdown. Just a great scene and a great song by the incomparable Donovan, who also gave us great songs like Season of the Witch and The Intergalactic Laxative. And speaking of great songs and other great things, we've got a great episode on the Rodcast today as we have Chris Bishop of Yozuri Lures in the Inshore Offshore studio to talk about Yozuri and the great lures that iconic company produces. I'll also be taking a poll from a bottle of Woodford Reserve and we'll be counting down my top 10 mullet imitators. Hey, you know, I think I might owe all of you hippies an apology. Hippies were and are an important part of American culture, though I did just read a tragic story about a hippie who drowned in the ocean. When asked why he didn't save the hippie, the lifeguard on duty replied, because he was too far out, man. Sorry, sorry about that. But do you know how to drown a hippie? Put him in the mainstream. Okay, enough hippie bashing. Let me even it out and offer a quick mafia joke. Two mafia hitmen are on a boat in rough seas in the middle of the night. One of them says, I got to admit, I'm scared out here. And the other replies, you're scared. I got to take the boat back alone. 
Hey, be sure to subscribe to the Rodcast by clicking that subscribe button on whatever platform you're using to access the Rodcast. And be sure to share the Rodcast with all of your angling and hippie buddies. Let's get casting. All right, I am thrilled to have Chris Bishop, the Vice President of Marketing and Sales with Yozuri in the Inventive Fishing Inshore Offshore Digital Studio today. Chris started working with Yozuri back in 2011 and has spent his entire recreational fishing industry career strictly with Yozuri. So when it comes to understanding the products of this premier lure manufacturer, there are few people around better to talk to than Chris Bishop. And of course, Yozuri has earned the reputation as one of the world's best manufacturers of lures and leaders. They are based out of Japan, but they distribute lures and leaders worldwide, and they've been doing this for more than 50 years and have grown to be an industry leader. Yozuri has a reputation for building high-quality hard baits that consistently catch fish, and today we're going to talk with Chris Bishop about Yozuri's success in the industry, and more importantly, about strategies and approaches to using many of Yozuri's lures. Thanks, Chris, for joining us on The Rodcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So let's, um, I want to I start by asking a question that I've had for a long time, um, as long as I've heard about Yozuri Lures, and that is, where does the name Yozuri come from? So Yozuri is actually a family-based name. Um, so part of the name is the original, is, is part of the uh, family name from the original um, starters of the company. Um, you know, and the company's been around for over 50 years now, uh, worldwide. Um, so it, I think we get that question a lot. It's a little bit difficult to get, uh, you know, some of the exact information from Japanese companies. They, they like to keep things pretty tight to the vest. You're on a kind of need to know basis. Um, but uh, the best information I've gathered on the, on the name is the original family who started the brand and, um, the hyphen actually, uh, their part was the Zuri part. And, uh, the yo was, uh, you know, part of the vernacular in Japanese fishing. So uh, they kind of just put the two together, um, fishing and fa family last name. So um, it's it's kind of stuck. I don't think anybody, any of the consumers really, you know, try to make anything out of it uh, at this point, but they do recognize the name. It's definitely a worldwide brand that's uh, extremely recognizable. So I mentioned that you started working with Yozuri back in 2011, but Yozuri developed Yozuri America back in 2003, headquarters in Port St. Lucie, Florida, where I might add, lives my brother and is also a great place to go fishing. And you distribute across all of the U.S., Canada, Central America, and South America. Tell us a bit about Yozuri America and your role in the company. So I started with the company uh, in 2011. I started at the bottom uh, as far as the sales and marketing department goes. I was just an entry-level uh, account manager. It, it's a relatively small company when it comes to Salesforce. We have, you know, based on the time I've been with the company, we have anywhere from just two to four guys um, within the building when it comes to sales and marketing. Uh, we have 25 sales reps uh, across the U.S. and Canada, which are commission-based sales reps. They also represent other brands, um, but they don't represent any other hard bait brands or line or leader brands. They're it, but they do have some hunting brands. They do have some rod and reel companies. Um, and they're 
commission-based. And as my job, I oversee the reps. I also oversee the other account managers underneath me at this point. Also work with Japan on developing the overall marketing game plan for the uh, for each year, who we're going to spend our marketing dollars with, what we're going to advertise, when we're going to advertise it, how we're going to advertise it. Um, and then also manage our pro staff, the development of our pro staff, manage them on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and then have I have a direct hand in product development for the market, which is probably the most rewarding aspect of my job at Yozuri at this point. Um, you know, a lot of the products that have been very successful for Yozuri, particularly in the last five to seven years, um, I either took that idea from the market, you know, usually, you know, I'd like to say that I came up with every new lure that we ever developed and especially the successful ones. But in reality, you know, I, I take the information from our field reps. I take the information from our customers. I take them from consumers. And uh, we take a look at the market and see where there's opportunities and, and where we can make a better version of what exists or where we can make something that no one's ever developed and bring something new to the market that fits, you know, an aspect of the North American fishery. And we've had, you know, we've had a lot of success over the last five to seven years doing that. And, you know, when you, when you really have a hand in developing something on a, on a national product stage, and you can roll that out and, and you walk in any Bass Pro store in the country or you walk into Walmarts and there it is on the peg, um, you know, or, or you're seeing fishing reports and social media of guys catching a lot of fish, catching personal best on those products. I mean, that's a really, you know, fulfilling uh, aspect of my job and even more fulfilling when I or, or, you know, someone in my family has a really good day on those products. That's that's even better. So, um you know, as far as our company, we're relatively small. Our warehouse is in, in Port St. Lucie, Florida, and our offices are there as well. We distribute everything in North America uh, and Central America from that location. Uh, South America is a little bit more uh, of a free-for-all. Uh, some of that product comes from us. Some of that comes from overseas. Um, but with the political situation in a lot of those countries, it's, it's, that business isn't as meaningful as it used to be. Um, but for North America, anything that you see at your local shop store came out of our warehouse in Port St. Lucie, Florida, um, you know, and, and just overall, it, it's, it's been a kind of a learning experience, like, you know, drinking from a fire hose, but, you know, I, I can't complain. Uh, it's an, an incredible uh, industry to work in. And uh, as far as Yozuri goes, it, it's a great company to work for. You know, there's few companies, honestly, in this industry anymore, where you have the ability to stay there for 15 plus years. You know, there's so so much movement within the industry, so much uh, takeovers and purchases of different companies that I've been lucky. I've just been with one of the Japanese companies that's been very stable over that time frame. I heard you talk in the past about the growth of online sales across the fishing industry. Could you talk a little bit about how that growth has affected Yozuri? And did the pandemic have any more effect on that shift to online? Yeah, I, definitely there's been a significant increase over the last 15 years, obviously, in, in with the rise in Amazon. But not just in Amazon, but with, with a lot of different companies within this industry, um, there's some pillars, you know, kind of for each segment of the business um, with Tackle Warehouse dominating the bass market with Tackle Direct doing very, very well in the saltwater market. And then obviously Amazon 
is is just a giant that just eats up sales in in all categories. Um, the the pandemic accelerated online fishing tackle business, um, but it accelerated fishing tackle business in general. Uh, honestly, dealer shops never had better, uh, never had two better years in, in their history than the last two years. So I know that a lot of people started buying regular goods, household goods online at a higher rate significantly. The interesting thing is in the fishing tackle industry, everybody's business went up. You know, Amazon's business went up. You know, all the all other online um, retailers that only sell fishing, their business went up significantly. But every single dealer's business across the board went went up. Um, there was some issues in, in some places like Canada where the restraints were extremely, um, ext- <laughs> uh, trying to say a nice way to put it, but where the restrictions were a little overboard and it restricted people's movements from one region to another. So people weren't able to travel. Uh, so they had less options. Uh, but in the United States, um, just the overall fishing tackle business saw unprecedented growth under COVID. And, and hopefully people were able to get out, get back in touch with fishing as families, get back in touch with the outdoors. And ho- hopefully a lot of those new consumers are going to stick around for a while. I know that we saw well over a million new licenses in fishing during the first year of COVID. Um, and a lot of those were new, like you said, families, but particularly single mothers looking for ways to get their kids outside. So um, Yozuri also distributes a line of lures by Hardcore. Could you tell us about the distinctions between Yozuri and Hardcore? So Dual Hardcore, uh, Dual is actually the corporate um the corporate name that owns the brands of Yozuri and Hardcore. Um, so Yozuri is actually not the corporate name. Dual is. So it's Dual Corporation. They own Yozuri and then Hardcore. Hardcore is an extremely popular brand in the Asian market, particularly in the Japanese domestic market. It also does very well in some of the European markets. Uh, in the United States, it's strictly a bass product at this time. Uh, in Japan, they actually make a number of squid, uh, squid jigs, which is a significant portion of their business the um, worldwide. Uh, there is a full line of squid jigs under the dual, uh, dual hardcore brand, and there is a line of saltwater hard baits under the dual brand, uh, dual hardcore brand. The reason we don't bring in saltwater uh, dual hardcore into the United States is because a lot of those products under that uh, brand name are geared towards Japanese sea bass and Japanese sea bass are a pretty unique species inshore species. Uh, it's a lot of finesse hard bait fishing. Um, what we would consider finesse compared to what we do in saltwater and, uh, very small, smaller hooks. Uh, a lot of the baits have three hooks. Well, I would compare the saltwater baits for Japanese sea bass, uh, very similar to uh, freshwater bass lures in the United States. And when we looked at that product line from, from a fishability standpoint, it doesn't necessarily make sense for our market. Um, so you'll, you will see some crossover between the two brands. You'll see some of the same styles, particularly in the offshore stuff and big game, where you'll see it available in certain colors in a Yozuri brand. Uh, with certain finishes, and you'll see the same body uh, within the hardcore brand in Japan, just with different Japanese style finishes. Um, typically, the hardcore brand is more expensive, 
it has some added features that that you'll see in limited Yozuri products. Uh, just as an example, almost every hardcore lure we sell in the United States has a patented magnetic weight transfer system. So the crankbaits will be the best casting square bill crankbait you've ever thrown. It'll be the best casting, you know, deep diving crankbait, jerkbait, whatever it might be. We have a international patent on that magnetic weight transfer system. We actually do have that magnetic weight transfer system within the Yozuri brand lineup on the saltwater side in the mag series. So the very popular mag darter, mag popper, mag minnow, particularly for striped bass fishing in the Northeast, uh, but also very effective here in Florida for snook fishing and tarpon fishing. Um, those feature that magnetic weight transfer system as well on the saltwater side. Um, but as far as for, for freshwater bass, that magnetic weight transfer system is unique to the hardcore brand. That is a brand that is available here at both Amazon and Tackle Warehouse and at your specialty JDM uh, dealer shops around the country. So you mentioned the word expensive there when talking about hardcore and way back when, long before you joined with Yozuri and the company was first becoming visible in the U.S., Yozuri had a reputation of having really expensive lures, but more recently, and I'm thinking especially since, say, the release of the 3D Inshore series about seven years ago, Yozuri's made a concerted effort to provide lures at very reasonable price points, making them more accessible to a wider swath of anglers. What brought about that change for the company? Oh, many years of pounding that into their head that price point makes a huge difference in this market. Um, if you, it depends on what you want to do as a company. Do you want to be a niche brand or do you want to be a mass retail brand? And I don't think mass retail and quality are mutually exclusive. I think that you can ha you can have a mass retail product at an aggressive price and still have a quality product. The way we did that was a lot of the baits, you know, very similar to like, let's say, um, you know, razors for shaving. A lot of them are overbuilt and over expensive, um, you know, to steal uh, another company's line. Um, but that's, you know, that's something that, that, that we took a look at. Okay. We have a lot of great features on the baits uh, 10 years ago, but are all those features really making a difference from a fishability standpoint? Are they making a difference in putting more fish in the boat? If the answer is no, you know, then what are they increasing our cost? What are they increasing the cost to the consumer? Does it make sense to drop that particular feature if it really doesn't have that great of an effect on its ability to work if it's going to cost, you know, 25% more? Um, and that's what we took a look at. And, and I, I do think it was a change on, it really was, the biggest part though was just convincing the Japanese to change their mindset that, they have an I, Japanese companies in the fishing tackle industry have this idea at some at at sometimes that price point equals quality. So that if you put a price point too low, they're gonna that the consumer is gonna think it's not quality. Uh, and if you put a price point really high, people are gonna say, "Wow, that must be a great product. I should strive to be able to purchase that." Well, that doesn't equate necessarily directly to sales, and in fact, it 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 never does for the most part. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot more Toyotas sold than Lexus. So, and that, that's what we looked at is that we need to continue to make a quality product, but we need to reduce our price. The 3DB series on the bass side, the entire series is below $10. This, the, 
Um, the 3D Inshore series that you mentioned, that entire series is $10 or below. And that's now our number one selling saltwater series of products within the company. It's, you know, crystal minnows is what we've always been known for. Uh, but that new 3D Inshore series, because it's a multiple different styles and, uh, you know, we really hit on some, some key products at the right time within that series. And so that's our, by far our number one selling saltwater series of hard baits at this point. Excellent. And we're going to talk a little bit more about those series in just a second. I want to get a couple more questions about the company in general. Uh, um, Missouri is known as a manufacturer of hard baits. And with the exception of the half dozen octopus skirts that Missouri makes, you guys don't make or distribute any soft body plastics, which is really kind of a, a standard for most lure companies these days. And why is it that Missouri remains dedicated to just hard baits? Well, we're always looking for the opportunities to expand our product offering. Um, but to be honest with you, um, anyone can make soft plastics. Um, any, anyone in their garage can make soft plastics. And, you know, a lot of the best soft plastics, most popular soft plastics, in, in, especially on the bass side in this country, but also on the saltwater side, tend to be local brands. Just because it's such an easy product to manufacture. It's also a low uh, it's also a low profitability product, uh, not just for the manufacturer, but also for the retailers. Um, you know, we've been seeing pretty significant growth over the last 15 years. And certainly over the last, you know, three years, we've seen, you know, accelerated growth due to COVID and our position within the market. Um, at this point, we have our hands full uh, delivering on what we what we can, you know, what we already offer in the hard baits line and leader category. Our largest growth has been on the line and leader category over the last five years. So that has been a significant focus for us. And I think because we already had the capabilities with two line factories in Fukuoka, Japan, um, we had the ability to create new products at, you know, at a quicker pace and at a higher profit and to hit and to be able to take advantage of the market right away. Um, what I see is that at, at this point in the industry, I would say that most companies are basically trying to make everything. Um, and what I've seen personally is not all companies, but a lot of companies, when they start trying to make too many things, they lose focus on what they do well and they drop the ball on what's been paying the bills for the last 20 years. And that's something that, that we want to avoid. Uh, the Japanese are not as quick. We're, we're not this mass conglomerate that just goes to China and has somebody make something for us. That's the other reason we haven't branched out into the other categories like a, other, a lot of other companies do is we make 100% of our products that we sell in the US market. No one makes anything for us. They're all made in our factories. So it would be relatively easy to go to a Chinese company and say, and give them the designs and tell them what we want and get in line with everybody else and start producing soft plastics that we purchase from someone else. But then we can't control delivery and we can't control the quality aspect. And that's something that's a major issue for Yozuri. If you buy a Yozuri product, you know you're getting quality out of the box. And if we have it made by somebody else, we can't guarantee that. You brought up and we've talked a little bit about the fact that Yozuri makes lures for both fresh and salt water. And while we won't be able to cover the entire Yozuri catalog today, I do want to ask about some specific lures and lure series and talk about the functions of those lures. 
And also for the listening crew out there, um, we have reviewed several Yozuri lures over the past several years on the Inventive Fishing web pages and on our YouTube channel. And we do plan on reviewing more, so you can always check out those channels on YouTube and our webpage to look for some Yozuri reviews. So, Chris, the first Yozuri lure that I ever encountered was the Crystal Shrimp, which is, later would evolve into the Crystal 3D Shrimp. Now, this is a hard body shrimp, not a soft body shrimp, as most shrimp, imita shrimp imitators are. So tell us about the Crystal 3D shrimp and its design. So when it came out, it was actually corresponded um, with uh, one of the first years I was with the company. Um, and when it hit the market, it was revolutionary. Um, it is a hard bait shrimp with a lip on the front. It's slow sinking. It's meant to be fished fished as a twitch bait, not as a steady retrieve. Uh, if you watch a shrimp, uh, which, you know, I'm down here in South Florida, we have lots of shrimp and it's, it's a main prey species for just about everything you could fish for inshore. Um, you'll see that they, they dart and stop. They dart and stop. They'll move slowly. Then they'll dart to avoid predators. Uh, and that's, and that's the general technique for fishing this bait. Um, I like it for sight fishing, uh, snook and sea trout on, on, and, you know, redfish on shadow lines and in dock lights, it does very well there, especially with moving current because the current will, you know, shrimp and current will kind of just coast. And then when they hit that light, they'll dart. And then that's that. And that's, you can do easily with this bait. Um, it's not, it has two trebles. So it's, it's a bait that works better in open water. Or it fishes well around oyster bars, fishes well around bridges and structure like that. It doesn't do as well on heavy grass flats. Uh, probably moved to a different technique in, in you know, traditional grass flat fishing for, for snook and redfish and potholes and things like that. Um, but when it comes to especially the urban fishing inshore like that we have here in Florida, you have on the Texas coast in a lot of places, that's, that's a bait that works very, very well. We make it in two sizes, uh, two and three quarters and three and a half. Um, it's been very popular for us for a long time. Uh, it's sold at your local Walmart if you're in any of those coastal markets in the Southeast. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's, it's below 10 bucks. It's 9.99 bait stayed that price for, you know, 10 years now. And, um, yeah, when it first came out, it's been copied numerous times since it first came out with lesser versions. Um, but it still continues to be a really good seller for us and, and catch a lot of fish. Excellent. Um, yeah, I think it's a great inshore bait, absolutely, for the species you were talking about. So one of your most well-known series, or actually multiple series of Yozuri lures, are the Yozuri minnows, the crystal minnow, the crystal 3D minnow, the pens minnow, plus in the 3D inshore series, the inshore minnow, which I'm going to come back to in a minute. But talk to us about the minnows and the popularity of these lures. You know, minnow baits of you know, or a standard for fishing in this country, period. You know, I, I don't care what you fish for. Uh, if it's a, you know, if it's a fish that'll take artificial lures, minnow lure is one of the first things you go to. Um, we make a wide variety in, in sizes, shapes, styles, and they all kind of fit a different, you know, aspect of fishing. Uh, the pins minnow is our number one selling trout bait in the country. Starts at two inches, goes up to three and a half. It has a weight transfer system in it for casting. So even though it's a small bait, it casts very well. That's, you know, obviously for trout fishing, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, they eat a lot of smaller uh, bait fish and, 
we actually make some trout, quite a few trout patterns within the pins minnow, um, you know, when they're feeding on, you know, fry of, of their own kind, honestly. Um, one of the underrated aspects of the pins minnow is for saltwater fishing. Uh, anytime you're fishing around glass minnows, uh, which is a big prey species for Spanish mackerel, for snook, uh, particularly here on the east coast of Florida, west coast of Florida, walk in the beach. It's a, it's a great lure. It has that perfect, you know, if you had a glass minnow in your hand and our glass minnow pattern pins minnow in your hand, I mean, it's spot on match the hatch. So that's your smaller minnows. Uh, the crystal minnows have been a standard for a long time. Uh, they don't feature a weight transfer system. They aren't our best casting minnow because they don't have that weight transfer system. Where I think they excel is fishing around structure where you need something to land lightly. Um, so if you're fishing around mangroves, somewhere where you're not making really long casts, but you want a soft landing to not spook fish, you're fishing around structure. If you're fishing around dock lights where the fish are really, you know, can get spooky, um, the crystal minnow is just a standard. I mean, it's caught millions and millions of fish around the world. We make trolling versions, which, you know, we make anywhere from three and a half inches up to six inches. So you can troll from everything from Spanish mackerel to, you know, king mackerel and wahoo and dorado with it. Um, it's been a standard for us for a long time. The 3D series has our 3D internal prism finish that never wears off, no matter how many fish you catch on it. Um, that's something that no one else has. It reflects light like no other bait on the market. Um, and then we have our, for the more traditional guys, we still have our regular crystal minnow series with the, you know, old school C4 black and silver patterns, which is still one of our number one selling baits in our entire product line. So, you know, we don't do as much advertising for that series anymore, but just because it's been around for a long time and, you know, most people know about it and have caught a ton of fish on it and just continue to go back to it as kind of a mainstay in their tackle box. I know as you were talking, I was realizing I've never done a video review of the crystal minnow, but it's one of my absolute favorite lures, uh, particularly in that redhead color pattern in the bone pattern. Um, and I do like the clown and the bleeding ghost shad too. And I got to, you know, as I was talking, I was thinking, God, I need to just put a box together that's just Yozuri minnows and just have that as an independent box. So about six years ago, maybe seven years ago, I think it was, Yozuri introduced the 3D inshore series. And this is a group of lures designed specifically for inshore anglers that includes seven different lures, the 3D inshore fingerling, the 3D inshore top knock pencil, the 3D inshore surface minnow, the 3D inshore minnow, the 3D inshore popper, the 3D inshore pencil, and the 3D inshore twitch bait. And I've been fortunate to fish with all of these lures, and I've reviewed several of them as well. Can you tell us a bit more about this series as a whole? But then I'm going to ask you specifically about a couple of them. Yeah, this series, um, we originally came out with the 3DB series on the bass side first. And uh, the concept was to have an entire series under a $10 price point. And um, it was very successful in a wide range of styles. And it, it's been our main push on the bass side. When the Japanese saw the success of the 3DP series, they came to me with the idea of doing the same type of thing in saltwater. I didn't think it was possible uh, at first for us to develop an entire series of inshore hard baits under $10 um, that are this type of quality because it didn't exist on the market then and it still doesn't exist on the market now by anyone else but us. Uh, there are saltwater baits under $10, but not at this type of quality. And not with this type of terminal tackle, not with these type of finishes, uh, and not that run true out of the box and start catching fish right away and don't have to be tuned. So to me, 
you know, I jumped on board right away with the concept, but then we needed to figure out how to make it make, you know, how to be able to make it be profitable for us, still offer quality product and keep that price point below $10. It was a work in progress. It take, I, we were in research and development for like three to five years on that series before it ever hit the market. Um, once it did, it was a hit from day one. Uh, particularly the Twitch bait was the most popular at first. Once we introduced the top knock pencil though, uh, that, that helped that series take off. And then we expanded the sizes in the Twitch bait and basically everything that we've come out with within that series has been an absolute home run. Um, and it's not rocket science. We didn't develop anything that hadn't been from a style standpoint that hadn't been done before. We just made a really, really quality version of it with some features that no one else could offer. And we put it under $10. We made it available to the masses because we got great support from our uh, chain retail partners and the dealer shops and the online retailers. You can, you, you can go anywhere on the East Coast or Gulf Coast of this country and buy that series at pretty much any shop you walk into. Um, so overall, that series has... You know, we put a lot of advertising behind it. It's one of the main things that we advertise on the saltwater side, but it's been a home run for our, for us from from day one. And and to be honest with you, from just as a fisherman, as somebody who fishes a lot down here and fish has the opportunity to travel around the world and fish, it's been one of the most successful series for me personally from a fishing standpoint since the day it was introduced. That's excellent. Uh, let's talk about the 3D inshore popper, but it's part of that series for a second. This, I have to tell you, is flat out one of my favorite poppers to fish with. I love its size. I love its action. Color options are great. I love the green mackerel, the sardine, and of course, the classic redhead. So tell us about the thinking behind the 3D inshore popper and some strategies for fishing it too. So honestly, uh, not a lot of companies, mass market companies, make an inshore popper. So when companies make poppers for saltwater, they're all, you know, tuna poppers. You know, they're all made for, for chasing tunas around, maybe Dorados, maybe, you know, in certain areas, trevallies of different kinds. Like for us, it's just big jacks. But if you travel in some other parts of the world, there's some, you know, more exotic, uh, you know, jack species that, that poppers are, are the main target for. But in the United States, there really wasn't, you know, anyone doing that on the inshore market from a mass retail standpoint. Um, so we took advantage of it. And, and when we first came out with it, we only came out with a two and three quarter inch size. And that's a real finesse bait. Uh, it's a finesse popper. It's, it lands very quietly. So you can actually sight fish fish in, in six inches of water to a foot of water, you know, sight fish, redfish on the mud flats. You can sight fish snook sitting in potholes with that bait. Because it lands quietly, it doesn't make a, it doesn't have a huge splash. It's more of a finesse bait, fish it around structure. Um, so that was the original idea, and it did really well for that market. But what we saw was that there's a great opportunity to go the next two sizes up and open the door to striped bass fishing, uh, jack creval fishing, you know, bull reds. But number one, that back bay striper market in the Northeast. I mean, that's a big market for us after the Florida market. That's our top market in the country um, is the Northeast coastal market. And uh, last year we came out with two new sizes, a three and a half and a four and three eighths. The four and three eighths is like ounce and three quarters. So that bait can be used from the surf and, and they're both, everything's under 10 bucks. Uh, for, for me, 
you know, my son has caught probably, you know, 50 jacks over 25 pounds on, on that 3D inshore popper because it's the perfect size for him to be able to cast. Um, you know, he's eight years old now and he's using smaller tackle still. Um, so throwing a two ounce popper, throwing a three ounce popper is not realistic for him. But throwing a three quarter ounce to an ounce and a half popper on his rod is something he can handle. And it's all you need to chase these schools of Jack Cravals around. Um, you know, blackfin tunas offshore. Um, inshore, you know, I'm going to be honest, I don't use it as much for traditional snook fishing or redfish fishing because I typically go to a pencil bait at that time. I honestly throw the 3D inshore pencil. But when I'm up in New England, uh, if I'm fishing any of the back bay stripers, um, or if I'm fishing schoolie side stripers along the beach, one of the first baits that I pull out is that 3d inshore popper. Uh, it has, even though it's compact, it has a really, the two new sizes have a really wide mouth. Um, so even though they're compact, they fly straight, but they spit a lot of water. Um, you know, a couple of the things, I mean, they're really easy to get moving really fast. So if you're, you're chasing any type of jack species, you can keep them moving really quick on the surface. And that's kind of your go-to is keep it moving, keep it moving, keep it moving quick, let them run it down. But when you're fishing for tuna species, or if you're fishing for redfish, it's a bait that you can pop once, get a good splash because it's got that wide mouth. It's got a, it's got almost a, uh, it's almost sits flat on the surface. It doesn't sit real tail down like a lot of other poppers do. So it has a natural sit to it. So when, when I'm chasing something like that, that, that likes to look at the bait a little longer, give it a pop and give it a good eight, 10 second wait in between. And that's when you get a lot of bites on those species that you might not think about throwing a popper at normally. I use it. I love it. I use it uh, early morning, late evening um, for trout. Uh, it's a, yeah. a great trout popper. Absolutely. So also in the inshore series, you have minnows and pencils. What's the difference between a minnow and a pencil and what are the different situations where we want to deploy one versus the other? So the minnow is your traditional, you know, floating diver. You know, it's a cast and retrieve type bait. You can give it some twitches to give it a little bit more of an erratic action. And we actually have two different versions of the minnow. We have a surface minnow and we have a regular minnow. The surface minnow is actually a wake bait. So if you're fishing really shallow conditions, um, but you want a straight cast and retrieve bait, uh, you don't want to be, you know, fishing a walk the dog style pencil bait all day, wearing your arm out. Then that wake bait is, is a great top water. You can throw it in any conditions. You can throw in four inches of water if you want, and you're not going to get hung up on anything um, because it's a top water bait. And it's very easy for first time anglers to use. It's just straight cast and retrieve in a lot of cases. And it has a great, makes a great V on the surface with a wide wobble, really popular in a lot of the Texas coastal markets. Um, but also extremely effective here in Florida, especially on the West Coast, or if you get up in the Mosquito Lagoon, some of the other areas, northern, east coast, where you get into some shallow water conditions. Our, one of our top uh, pro staff on the Redfish Tour, uh, Captain Frank Risk, he's, he's won a lot of Redfish tournaments, and he wins a lot of Redfish tournaments on that, on that surface minnow. For, and it's because he gets up in those shallow areas and just slowly wake baits that right in front of them, and they just jump all over it. Your traditional minnow bait, uh, it's going to dive one to three feet. And, and, you know, that's when fish are feeding more subsurface in the middle of the day. If you still want to throw artificial, that would be the go-to. Pencil bait, that's your traditional walking bait. So, you know, Zara Spook was obviously the original. Some people still call them spooks instead of pencils. But worldwide, that style is known as a pencil bait. 
So the 3D inshore top knock pencil has a one knock cadence rattle in it. Whenever you're fishing, whenever I'm fishing a pencil bait, that's what I, first thing I look for. What type of rattle does it have? I'm either going to fish a silent or a single knot cadence rattle. I don't want a multi rattle. I don't want something really loud. Uh, that single knot cadence rattle. Every time that bait goes from side to side in the walk the dog action, you get a dunk, 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 deep thud. And that's that sound has been uh, much more effective for snook and redfish uh, and striped bass than than you know multi rattle high frequency. Um, that pencil bait. Man, it's it's an absolute killer in the traditional things you would plan on fishing around uh, mangroves, you know, throwing in holes in the mangroves and working it out along mangrove edges, working it along oyster bars, working it particularly along seawalls in a lot of cases, uh, especially when you're snook fishing, fishing it around docks and seawalls. But for me, honestly, my go to way for using the pencil bait is fishing for snook on shadow lines at night. Um, I live in Stewart, Florida. There's not a better snook fishing area in the United States than uh, Jupiter to Melbourne uh, to Sebastian. So from Sebastian Inlet to Jupiter Inlet is the best snook fishing in this country, bar none. Um, it's it's the most fish and some of the biggest fish. And I actually love using that bait in the fall on the mullet run, and I use it on the shadow lines when everybody else is trying to flatline a mullet in the middle of you know, hundred thousand mullet. I throw that bait and it sticks out and I actually fish it a really different way. I stand in the dark and I cast it out into the light and I'll either just reel it straight and let the, and I don't walk it at all. I never walk it, uh, fishing the dock or fishing the shadow lines. I'll either just throw it out at an angle, like 45 degree angle and let the current pull it into, uh, the shadow line and I'll just reel it real slow. And it just makes a perfect V just like a mullet swimming. It just makes a perfect V. It has a tiny bit of a wobble with that perfect V and they just blast it off the top. The other key way to do it is do the same thing. Throw it out in the light. As soon as it hits the water real, real fast, it starts to skip, but right before it hits that shadow line, stop. And it skips right up to the shadow line and then stops. If you watch a mullet, it'll, they'll be working their way to the shadow line. Uh, you know, they're migrating one way or another. They'll work their way to the shadow line. As soon as they see that shadow line, they'll freeze because they know that there's something they are ready to eat them. So they'll freeze right there. So they're snook are used to seeing, and it works on tarpon. Uh, if you're in other areas where you get some big trout in the light, I've caught some, I've caught a trout over 30 inches on that plug. Um, it'll, they really jump on it. That's kind of, uh, that's something that's really popular here in, in Jupiter and Stewart. And, uh, you know, the group of me and, and, and my friends that, that spend way too many sleepless nights snook fishing in the fall have, are really one of the reasons that gained a lot of popularity. But it's been something that people have been doing uh, for a while. I picked it up from the bridges here in Stewart, and uh, I've caught thousands of snook and uh, doing that. And it's a really exciting way to fish. You know, I show up with one rod with a pencil bait instead of, uh, you know, coolers and and live wells and cast nets and bottom rods and all that nonsense. I've got, I've got a landing net and, and one rod in my hand. So uh, I can jump from bridge to bridge and catch a lot of fish. And, and there's nothing more exciting than that top water bite. So um, that top, that top knock pencil, uh, Dale Ash, Jupiter snooker uh, has made that really popular um, for fishing for some of the big fish that he fishes for during the day in Jupiter. 
Uh, it's a, one of our most popular baits for striped bass fishing in the Northeast. We sell it like crazy. It's caught a ton of fish up there. I've actually gone up there and caught a bunch of fish on it. That's just, as far as I'm concerned, that's the best uh, topwater walk the dog pencil bait on the saltwater market, period. And it's $9.99 retail. That's excellent. I'm going to try your strategy. I fish Sebastian a lot. Fish Sebastian a lot. Uh, in fact, I was just there Monday. Uh, the wind was horrible, but uh, I'm going to yeah. I'm going to give it a go that way. So let's Yeah, if you get down if you get down to the Fort Fort Pierce bridges uh yeah. at, in the fall, man, that's that's a spot where you can really do some damage with that pencil bait too. Yeah, I'm down there quite a bit, so I'm going to give that a give that a whirl. So let's um, shift to offshore for a second. Let's talk about the big game series, which includes the bull pop floating popper, the surface cruising floating lures, and the bonita and the high speed uh, vibe. Um, those last two are trolling lures. I want to ask about the high speed vibe construction. Since of all the Ozuri offshore lures I fished with, it's the one I fished the most. But unlike the hard plastic lures that Ozuri makes, this is a metal body lure design. For high-speed trolling, it's fantastic on Wahoo and Blackfin Tuna, but it does stand out stand out as a different kind of design thinking among other Yozuri lures. Tell us a bit about the vibe. It's actually not metal. It's foam. Uh, really? So it's an extremely dense foam. So the original Bonitas, original Surface Cruisers, the original uh, Yozuri Bull, um, they were made out of a orange a light orange colored foam. What exactly it is, is the proprietary information. They don't even let me know about it, but it was a softer foam material. And those baits were extremely effective. They caught a ton of fish, but they did have issues at times where they would uh, break in half. Now you wouldn't lose any fish because they were all through wire construction, but you know, it would, it would, you know, definitely take some chunks out at times, especially with Wahoo fishing. Um, what we did uh, about 10 years ago when we redid the big game series was we came up with a new extremely durable foam material, which we call power body. It's a patented material uh, that we use that no one else uses. It's a solid dense foam. And since we've come up with that, we have not had a single return of a broken lure. Uh, and if you look at the surface cruiser, it's actually a really thin elongated bait. So that's a bait you could definitely, you know, from a shape standpoint, that would be a bait you would think would break somewhere in the middle, you know, after it caught a certain number of fish or, you know, if a big tuna hit it or a wahoo hit it in the wrong place, you might see a breakage here and there. You know, we're talking GTs, you know, we sell these things worldwide, uh, you know, dog tooth tunas, things that really could do some damage to it. We've never got one back. And I personally fished the surface cruiser for Jack Crevals along the beach. Uh, for big bluefish, I've caught bluefish up to 15 to 20 pounds on those baits. Not an issue. I've been using the same surface cruiser. It's still hanging. It's hanging in my boat right now. I've been using the same surface cruiser to chase schools of jacks off of Stewart in the, in the spring for three straight years. It's worn almost all the paint off and I had changed it out to a single hook a long time ago, single inline because I've let all the jacks go. But, um, that power body material, you could run those baits over with your truck three times and then take them out and catch fish on them that same day, and they're still going to run true. The high-speed vibe is the most versatile bait that we make in the big game series. It's the only bait that you control up to 15 knots. You can cast it and retrieve it. You can cast it out and let it sink down, and it has a great downward sinking action. It doesn't turn on its side and sink like a rock. It has a downward swimming action on the sink. 
So you can mark fish down 50, 60 feet below the boat, schools of tunas, throw it out past the school, let it sink down below them, and then burn it back up through them or reel it up through them, let it sink back again. You get bit on the fall quite a bit. Um, if there's fish busting on top, you can make a long cast with it and burn it back just under the surface. You catch fish on it that way, or you can put it in your traditional trolling spread in just about any position in the spread because it trolls straight and it trolls 12 plus knots straight. So, and it does have action at a slower trolling speed. If you're doing anything four or five knots or more, it's going to have good action. It's probably the most versatile all around bait that we have in the big game series for sure. The other styles, the bull popper and the uh, surface cruiser, which is the pencil popper, they're your more traditional top waters. So, you know, that I've had a lot of fun with those baits chasing stuff around that eats top water baits, particularly tunas around the world. Um, and then the Bonita is, you know, one of the most effective Wahoo baits ever made, but they're limited in, in what you can do with them. They're great for what they're made for, but there's almost no circumstance where you can't take that high speed vibe offshore and catch fish on it. You can catch bottom fish on it. If you get in the right area, especially off the East coast, we catch big red snappers on that bait all the time. Let it down to the bottom, rip it up off the bottom a couple times, let it sink back down and those red snappers jump all over it. So, um, that's a really uh, versatile bait. I know Carter Andrews, we've been working with him for a number of years. He helped us develop that bait and he had, that's one of his favorite baits and he takes it all over the world, catching fish on it on his show. So, um, you know, I know that it's been a successful bait for us, but it's just one where people need to open their eyes and, and give it a try once or twice. And once they do, they're, they're hooked on it because they see everything that it can do. I absolutely love it controlling. So you mentioned the Bonita. Um, and the one thing I wanted to ask about the Bonita is the color change technology. Talk about that for a second. And then to be honest, what I want to do is uh, shift and let's give some time to the freshwater for a little bit too, because there are a couple of freshwater questions I've got for you. Yeah. So the, so the color change technology um, at one point was on the entire bait. So um, when you look at it from the front, it uh, has one color pattern. You turn it, it as a slightly different color pattern. And it was based on ridges along the bait. Those ridges are kind of two purpose. One, they gave it the color change, but they also send out a unique vibration in the water too. It, you know, different than when just a smooth sided bait goes through the water. Um, we had it on the, we have it on a number of baits, either on the bottom or on the top or on the entire bait, you know, throughout the product line over the last 10 years. The one complaint on the Bonitas was, that the ridges made it more difficult for the Bonita to slip through the Wahoo's teeth because when Wahoo eat that bait, they, you know, they either come up from behind it, just kind of grab onto the tail end of it and it needs to slip back and catch that back hook. Or in a lot of cases, they come up and hit it from the side and they get it in their mouth like a dog with a bone in its mouth. And it does need to kind of slip through their mouth a little bit so that they'll get this big single hooks, uh, which, we have, you know, big stainless steel, flat forged stainless hooks and, you know, which is necessary with the amount of heat that you're putting on these fish. Um, you know, when you're trolling 12 knots and you have a 32 ounce trolling lead in, in front of it, in a lot of cases you're trolling wireline, you know, all that weight just puts a lot of pressure on the hooks and the terminal tackle. So if you don't have the right stuff, you know, you're never going to land a fish. Um, because of that, because of that uh, pushback on, on it slipping, we moved the color change just to the very top of the bait. So what you get is you get that color change technology and you get the smooth, really smooth side. So the hookup ratio went significantly higher. 
Um, so since we've made that change, it's, uh, it's been a very successful bait for us. And with that power body material, now you can catch 50, 60, 70 Wahoo on that bait. You're going to lose some pain off of it because it's going to get chewed up a little bit, but you're not going to miss any chunks. You're not going to cut it in half. You can keep on catching fish with that bait, you know, for a long time. There's some of the long range boats in SoCal that, that we work with that have been using the same ones for multiple seasons. I mean, the, those baits have caught hundreds and hundreds of Wahoo and are still catching fish. That's excellent. So like we said, there's no way we can cover all the great lures in the Ozuri product line. And we've talked about inshore and a little bit about offshore. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about freshwater too. And you mentioned the 3DB series and the evolution of that. And this is a really dynamic series of lures that includes topwaters, crankbaits, jerkbaits, poppers. Uh, and there's even a crayfish imitator in there as well. Um, tell us a little bit more about that series, but I don't, I don't know if we have the time to go into every one of the ones in that series. And then there are two other freshwater baits I do want to ask about. Yep. So that series is our main focus on the fresh, on the bass side. So when it comes to the tournament level bass, uh, hard baits, uh, that's our main focus on 3DB with the exception of the lipless crankbaits, which, uh, are very popular Rattlin vibe series. Um, but aside from that, which is the Rattlin Vibe series is more of just a single lipless uh, style, but 3DB covers everything from top waters and multiple styles down to deep diving crankbaits. And that series, the big difference between that series and development was it was developed by our pro staff from the US market in conjunction with our PD team in Japan. So that series is made for bass fishing in the United States market. Um, you know, some of the more recent baits that we've come out with that have had a lot of success is the 1.5 square bill and the 1.5 mid runner. Uh, the 1.5 square bill, uh, we did it, uh, you know, we have a lot of 3D patterns in the 3DB series, which makes sense. Um, and those are patented 3D finishes that send off light in all directions. It's a, it's a film on the inside. Uh, clear outside with maybe a little bit of color paint on the top or bottom or both, uh, depending on the color pattern. But the main thing is that insert that sends off light in all directions. Uh, that works great for top waters. It works great for uh, some of the minnow style baits. It's not as popular of a color style for crankbaits. So what we did was we did an internal painted finish on these 1.5 square bills. And guys like Zach Burge on the Major League Fishing Tour really helped us out with developing those. That bait's been extremely popular for us. Uh, and the new 110 jerk baits, we did the same thing. We took that, we, we combined some of our best prism finishes with some of our, these best internal painted finishes, and we worked directly with our pros. You know, we developed that bait for three years. It debuted for 2020, which was good timing for us. And actually one of our main developers on that bait was Brandon Cobb, who is known as one of the best jerk bait fishermen in the country. Uh, um, so if you're looking for, you know, a place to start with Yozuri Bass, that's the place to start is with the 3DB series. I think we make the best topwaters on the market in that series. That 3DB popper walks extremely well. It's one of our most successful uh, selling products and fish catching products. But again, we make a pencil bait in a four inch and a five inch in that series, the 3DB pencil with that one knot cadence rattle. I'll dare anybody in the market to find a better uh, walking bait in existence in the U.S. market than that for bass fishing. I mean, it's as it's as good as it gets. And our guys on the pro on the elite series and the major league fishing tour have had a lot of top five finishes on the 3DB series in the last few years. Excellent. 
So you mentioned the rattling vibe, um, and this is an incredible bass lure. I've heard, you know, it's got a reputation among bass anglers. It's truly incredible. I've heard tournament guys talk about the rattling vibe as being different from other rattling lures because the sound chamber is different. And I know you've updated that recently. There's a new version of the rattling vibe. So what's this new addition to the rattling vibe heritage? So it's a rattling vibe one knock. So this is the first time we've ever ran a one knock version. So it's got that deep single larger rattle, a one knock cadence rattle. It's a different sound than the fish have heard in the past. You know, they're used to seeing lipless crankbaits with the high frequency sound. And after, you know, certain times of the year, certain lakes, you know, every boat just about is throwing a lipless crankbait with a high frequency sound. So by the end of a tournament, those fish have seen, you know, that, that sound in a lipless crankbait, you know, a couple hundred times. So when you come with something behind it, just a little bit different, that deeper, more subtle sound, and then that'll get them back on that reaction bite. Uh, typically, lipless crankbaits are a cold water bait. Um, here in Florida, it's a you know November, December, January, February deal. Other parts of the country, it might go out until May. Um, but it's really, you know, in a lot of places in the country, this is the time of year, pre-spawn type bait. Um, what makes the Rattlin' Vibe, whether it's a one knock or the regular version unique, is the, down, the balance. When you let it sink, it has an incredible downward swimming action. It, there's a, the most popular uh, brands on the market. When you let them sink, they turn on their side and fall like a rock. So your, your option is to cast it out real fast or real slow. With Yozuri, there's a lot of different options for fishing that bait. You can let it down in the grass and rip it out. You can yo-yo it. I mean, most of our pros, do not fish it with a straight retrieve. Like 75% of the time, they're fishing it with a different type of action than just a straight retrieve. It's an incredible grass bait. goes through the grass, you know, really, really well. The one thing, when I started with the Ozuri, I automatically worked with the first Bassmaster Classic. I had five or six pros, big name pros. I won't name any of their names, but who were sponsored by other companies come into our booth at the Classic and buy new colors of the Rattlin' Vibe for their box, even though they're sponsored by other hard bait companies. That's when I knew, you know, the type of uh, quality, the type of uh, difference that we had in our lipless crankbaits from other brands. All right, I got one more lure question and uh, we'll get into some wrap up here. And I got to ask because I've never fished it. I just am asking because of how it looks, but I got to ask about the snap beans, which uh, look <laughs> to me like a kind of mini crankbait that really ought to be the star of their own animated cartoon series more than anything. Tell us about the snap beans and when anglers should use them. Yeah, that's definitely the cutest bait we make. <laughs> uh, and we actually make it in some, some, some crappie patterns that we added a couple of years ago, like an all pink, uh, black and purple, a hot tiger that we added. Uh, which make it even, you know, more of that kind of little cartoonish look to it. But don't underestimate that bait. Um, if you're in a market that has multi multi-species freshwater, you know, it's not as much here in Florida necessarily. Um, but when you get into some of those markets that have really good uh, crappie fisheries where guys are trolling small crankbaits, this is an excellent bait for that. Uh, catches a ton of trout, a bunch of perch up in the northern uh, regions. It's actually a bait that we sell in every state in the country. Um, it's something that Bass Pro has in every one of their stores and has for a long time. Uh, you can actually troll that bait two and a half, three knots, even though it's a tiny little bait uh, with a single treble on the back. Obviously, it's a light tackle bait. Um, but for me, it was one of the first baits that I gave my son 
And uh, when I took them to go fishing at local ponds and stuff, because it's just a bite getting bait. You know, you catch everything from bluegills, uh, little peacock bass down here in South Florida uh, to, you know, largemouth and, and everything in between. And it's something that's easy, easy to fish, uh, low price point under five bucks. And uh, whether you're fishing a little stream for trout or whether you're fishing in a little pond, you know, up north for, for perch or something, or whether you're just down here pond hopping in Florida, you know, it's a bait you can go out, put on light tackle and just catch fish all day. So Excellent. Yeah, it looks so cool. Chris, this has been fantastic. And I know that after having this conversation, I'm going to be increasing my usury tackle holdings. So to wrap up this great conversation, I want to ask you our traditional final question here on the Fishing Professor Show. This is the question we ask all of our guests, and that is, what is your grail fish? What's the one fish that's out there that you really want to catch, the bucket list fish for you? But I want to add a twist to that question today and also ask you, what Yozuri lure do you want to get that grail fish on? Mm. Man, I, if you'd asked me that question 10 years ago, that would have been a lot easier to answer. Uh, you fished a I've lot been, since then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been fortunate enough in my position because of who we work with and, and just because of meeting a lot of good people in this industry to check off bluefin tunas and, and big yellowfins and rooster fish and a lot of the things that I grew up as a kid that I had on my list. And, you know, some of the personal stuff here in Florida, the double digit fish you know, and trophy size fish in certain species that I would really like to get. I would have to say there's probably, there's probably two of them. One of them I'll never catch on a Yozuri lure. Um, you know, I'd like to get a big halibut in British Columbia or Alaska, uh, a really big halibut just because I think it's cool and it's so much different than, than anything we have here. Um, but I would, I would like to go ch chase big GTs and I'd like to chase them on the big, on the big surface cruiser. I, I know it's just a glorified Jack Creval, but I love Jack Creval fishing. And if I could catch a, you know, an 80 or hundred pound version of it, Jack Creval on spinning tackle on a lure and, and just watch that bite. Even if I didn't land it, I just want to see, you know, uh, a trevally of that size pile on a topwater lure, whether it's on the flats or, or out on the reef, doesn't matter to me. I, I just want to keep that because that surface cruiser and you're skipping it, the jacks run it down and you'll see them coming from 50, 60 feet away. And sometimes they'll chase it all the way to the boat before they eat it. You know, that with a, you know, 80, 90 pound GT would be, uh, that would be about as good as it gets for me. That sounds fantastic. Uh, GTs are definitely on my list as well. So, Chris, thanks so much for being here and talking with us today and to all the listening crew out there. You can check out all of the Ozuri products at yo-zuri.com. Thanks, Chris. It's been great talking with you. And I'm going to have to get you back on the show because we never got to leaders and lines. And that's another big aspect of Yozuri. So uh, we'll have to think about doing that in the future. But thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and anytime. Thanks, Chris. Oh, yeah.
them old hound dogs are barking at us, reminding us of the great wisdom of Johnny Carson, who once said, happiness is having a rare steak, a bottle of whiskey, and a dog to eat that rare steak. Yes, indeed, it is time for the bourbon break, and we'll be pouring heavy today from a bottle of Woodford Reserve bourbon, a bourbon that has got a great fan base among whose population I count myself. In fact, for a few months a while back, I considered the Woodford Reserve bourbon to be my daily driver. It was my every evening pour, my after work delight. You got to love the classic bottle design of the Woodford. It's got that elegant top shelf look to it. And the bourbon itself has such a fine coloration, it deserves to be displayed, not sequestered to the interior of a cloaked cabinet. This is a bottle you want to show off. Have it hold it in your arm when you walk into prom. This is a trophy date right here, a good-looking bourbon, one you'd be proud to be seen with in public. Now, Woodford comes to us out of Woodford County, Kentucky, from a distillery that's been around since 1838 and is recognized as a National Historic Landmark. Woodford Reserve is produced by the Brown Foreman Corporation, which is one of the largest American-owned spirit and wine companies. I mean, these guys own Jack Daniels, Early Times, Canadian Mist, Finlandia, Corbell, Chambord, and a whole bunch of others. They used to own Southern Comfort until they sold it in 2016 with a couple of other brands. And so you know, Brown Foreman registered over $3 billion in sales in 2016. This ain't no small bourbon company. This is Megacorp. Like a number of the bourbons that are popular these days, Woodford's Reserve Bourbon wasn't introduced until the Bourbon Revolution was beginning to unfold, and it had a significant effect on the uprising, first appearing in 1996 when it was also named the official bourbon of the Kentucky Derby, which is a hell of an endorsement of pedigree. And there's no question that by introducing the classy bottle and setting the price point just a little bit higher than everybody else, Woodford pushed the market to not only accept but to demand a higher class of bourbons, thus driving the bourbon insurgency from rebellion to full-on outbreak. Like I said, Woodford has been a staple for me for these last few years. It's got a great grain blend, well exceeding the 51% corn for bourbon with a 72% corn ratio, followed by an 18% rye and 10% malt blend. That rye number is interesting because it's a little higher than a lot of the bourbons out there, and it gives the Woodford Reserve bourbon a nice rye accent to the taste. Woodford Reserve is a triple distilled bourbon, but it also has one of the lowest proofs among bourbons, 43.2%, or about 86 proof. And of course, the minimum legal proof for a bourbon to be called a bourbon is 60 proof, but most run between 80 and 120 proof. So the Woodford Reserve is a bit on the low end. The nose of the Woodford Reserve is robust, filled with the sweet overtones of honey and maybe a little caramel. The oak comes through in the nose, toasted with a hint of vanilla or maybe toasted marshmallow. And there's a note of spice which comes through more defined in the flavor than in the nose. It is by no means an aggressive nose, but a welcoming scent that can be savored. That spice comes through in the palate with a pepper and clove balance and a touch of anise. Clearly, though, the heavier rye component drives the bourbon's flavor, but it does so in harmony with the dominant sweetness of the corn. The sweetness comes across almost like a grilled orange slice, balancing the sweet with the smoky charring. It is by no means a heavy or thick flavor, but a smooth, light drink. 
It finishes with those spices making a final statement. There's even some leather here, and the sweetness seems to take a final bow and leave the stage for the more distinct spices and tan, if color could be a flavor. So yeah, I'm a fan of the Woodford Reserve bourbon, and I like to make sure I keep a few bottles on hand. I figure there's a point at which you know what your weekly staples are and what you're going to buy each week at the grocery store, eggs, milk, butter, and so on. For me, Woodford's on that list, just part of the weekly necessity. You want to be sure to pick up, pick it up almost instinctively because running out is akin to those moments when you run out of toilet paper. How do you run out of toilet paper? You know you need it every single day. So why the hell aren't you buying some every single time you walk into the store? You know exactly how much you use each week. Why aren't you prepared? Okay, yeah, maybe you're having a bunch of friends over and they all decide to take dump take dumps at your place that same evening. Yeah, maybe you run out. But good God, why are what are you doing inviting people over without having stocked up on the toilet paper? It's a simple thing. Don't run out of toilet paper and don't run out of Woodford Reserve bourbon. Be prepared because look, if you run out of butter or milk, no big deal. But Christ, you run out of toilet paper or Woodford and you've got a serious situation on your hands. That a paper towel and a shower isn't necessarily going to solve. So be smart, people. Woodford, every week. This public service, public service announcement has been brought to you by absolutely no one other than me. Hey, before we go, and as a final note and my regular disclaimer, as always, please keep in mind that the Fishing Professor Bourbon Break reviews are not sponsored. The distillers have not sent me samples, nor do they influence my reviews, although, though, as always, I am open to sponsorship, bribery, and extortion. The bourbons I review are purchased out of pocket, and my reviews are based on the keen sense of bourbon know-how that I have developed over many years in many of this country's finest and worst watering holes, drinking establishments, dives, pubs, honky-tonks, and back alley speakeasies. Hey, speaking of, let me give a quick shout-out to the Yukon Bar in Seward, Alaska, where they've been pouring alcohol since the 1940s. There may be no better place to sit, sip, and listen to great music after a great day of salmon fishing or halibut fishing or lingcod fishing than the Yukon Bar in Seward, Alaska. I love that place. So here's to my schizophrenic friend. He's good people. As always, if you have comments about this week's bourbon break, break feel free to email me at sitinventivefishing.com or use the comment section on any of the platforms that you're accessing the broadcast. Damn it, I need a drink. Drink on, my friends. All right, we are rocking and rolling today. So let's go ahead and get into the professor's top 10 for the week. This week, I want to count down my top 10 mullet imitators. Now, I turn to mullet because like Menhaden, they are a primary forage for so many game fish. And because they're such an attractive prey species, there are countless lures out there designed to mimic mullet. So these are my top 10 mullet lures. And let me remind everyone right now that I am unsponsored. So none of these lures make it onto my list because of some financial agreement, but because they are the lures that I use and turn to when I'm on the water. That said, here they are, the Fishing Professor's Top 10 Mullet Imitating Lures. All right, coming in at number 10 is the Live Target Mullet Wake Bait. This is just a great segmented bodied wake bait. The two-part floating body has got great swimming action just below the surface, and when you slow the retrieve, it pops up to the surface like a mullet breaking the surface to escape a predator. 
comes in two sizes, a three and a half inch version and a four and a half inch version. And there are three real life like color patterns, which, you know, Live Target is famous for is how just great their lures look in terms of being lifelike. Um, and there are three of these lifelike color patterns for the Live Target mullet wake bait. Okay, at number nine, I'm going to go with the classic Rapala X-Rap twitching mullet, which is a great twitch bait mullet imitator. One of the things that I really like about the Rapala X-Rap twitching mullet is that it comes rigged with two super strong VMC coastal black inline single hooks rather than treble hooks like a lot of mullet imitators. The action of the twitching mullet is great because it's a slow sink lure that has a kind of subservice walk the dog action. And I love the translucent coloration on this lure. It comes in two sizes, a two and a half inch and a three and one eighth inch version. And there are about 17 color options with it. Okay, and number eight, I'm going to go with another classic lure design with the Bomber Saltwater Grade Mullet. This is another slow sinking mullet that can either be fished with a slower retrieve just below the surface or at a faster retrieve as a surface walk uh, walker with a walk the dog kind of action. It's a three and a half inch lure weighing in at five eighths of an ounce, and it's available in five color options designed to mimic inshore forage species colors. Sitting at number seven is Bagley's Rattlin' Finger Mullet. Now, you've probably heard me talk about this great mullet before. I fell in love with the Bagley's Finger Mullet more than 25 years ago, and now the company has upgraded the mullet into an even more effective lure. The old model was made of balsa wood, but the reimagined version has a hard plastic body that is so much more durable. There are nine color options available in two sizes. Oh, and if you want to learn more about the Bagley's Rattlin' Finger Mullet, be sure to check out the Inventive Fishing gear review of these lures over at Inventive Fishing. Uh, check out uh, the reviews at the YouTube Inventive Fishing channel. Uh, you can also uh, see it on our webpage, but that's going to link you right back to the YouTube channel. The review's got some interesting stuff about the history of Bagley lures as well. Okay, coming in at number six, it is another twitch bait that I really like, and that's the Mirror Lure Mullet, which is really a revised version of Mirror Lure's amazing Miradine Lure, only given the added coloration of a mullet. Now, I'm particularly fond of the CI Skin Series suspending twitch bait version. At number five, I want to give well-deserved credit to Mads Grossel and his design of the Savage Gear Pulse Tail Mullet. This great swim bait is designed using a 3D scan of a real mullet, so the mimicry here is excellent, not just in its appearance, but it's in, in its swimming action as it swims just like a live finger mullet. I also love how this swim bait is rigged weedless with a weighted hook for when I'm fishing grassy or rocky areas. Comes in a four inch and a five inch version with four color variations. Add number four. I'm going classic again with one of Mark Nichols' amazing lure designs, the DOA Swimming Mullet. This mullet imitator deserves not only to be on everyone's top 10 mullet imitator list, but also in the top three all-time best tarpon lures. This soft body lure is an all-time classic. I love the red-eye swimming mullet jig head that these soft body mullet imitators are rigged with, and the dorsal-facing hook is great for avoiding snags. And, of course, the huge selection of about 25 color variations lets you match to local conditions. This really is one of those lures that every inshore angler needs to have a few of in their arsenal at all times. At number three, 
I've got unfair lures, Paul's Dinkum Mullet. Now, there's no question that Paul Van Reenen is one of the premier inshore lure designers working today, and Paul's Dinkum Mullet reflects some of his best work. This lure is designed as one of the most lifelike mullets out there with phenomenal swimming action and a dead-on visual profile of a mullet and great sonic signatures to mimic a mullet. It also features that great Unfair Lures trademark Bleeding Gills Mylar Gill design for a really great look of a wounded mullet. It's available in 10 color patterns. In the runner-up position at number two, we've got Egret Bates Voodoo Mullet. Now, I'll tell you right now, if you want to watch a great review and a damn funny review, if I do say so myself, be sure to check out my review of the Voodoo Mullet over at the Inventive Fishing YouTube channel. This is a great swim bait style lure. It's a medium sink lure that is great for swimming above structure or grass. The body is articulated in about eight segments held together by a TPE mesh giving this lure some remarkable lifelike swimming action, particularly when retrieved, retrieved at mid-range speed. Now, they're rigged with a VMC treble hook and come in two sizes, a 3.5-inch, a quarter-ounce, and a 4.5-inch uh, at a half-ounce, and are available in about 14 color patterns. Really recommend checking out Egret Bates Voodoo Mullet. So that brings us to my favorite number one, all-time best mullet imitator. But before we get there, let's do a quick recap of the Fishing Professor's top 10 mullet imitators. At number 10, we've got Live Target's Mullet Wake Bait. At number nine, Rapala's X-Rap Twitching Mullet. At eight, Bomber's Saltwater Grade Mullet. At seven, Bagley's Rattling Finger Mullet. At six, Miralure's Mullet. At five, Savage Gear's Pulse Tail Mullet. At four, the DOA Swimming Mullet. At three, Unfair Lures Paul Dinkum's Mullet. And number two, Egret Bates Voodoo Mullet. And finally, my number one spot is a three-way tie for three mullet designs, all from Live Target. The Live Target Mullet Swim Bait, the Live Target Hollow Body Mullet, and the Live Target Commotion Mullet Hollow Body. Now, the Mullet Swim Bait is part of the Live Target Swim Bait series and is a solid lure that does great in skinny water. Comes in two sizes, a four and a half and a five and a half inch model, and in two color patterns. The lifelike look and swim of this lure is right up there with all of the other live target lures. I love the super strong inline hook on this lure too. The hollow body mullet is a great topwater lure that won the best saltwater lure award at ICAST in 2019. The lure comes rigged weedless with a single hook, and you can add a treble hook to the belly pen if you want to comes in three size variations with three color variations. The commotion mullet is a derivative of the hollow body mullet with the tail removed and a Colorado spinner blade in its place. And instead of a single hook, it comes rigged with an extra strong carbon steel double hook that sort of hugs the lure to keep a lifelike profile and to operate as a weedless bait. Two sizes, three colors. And that's my number one mullet lure. Three great mullet imitators from Live Target. So that's the Fishing Professor's Top 10 for the week. As usual, if you want to let me know your thoughts about this week's Top 10, if you have a mullet lure you think I should be looking at, or if you're a manufacturer and you want to alert me to your mullet lure, just send me an email at sid at inventivefishing.com or use the comment section on any of the platforms that you're using to access the Rodcast. As always, if you'd like a Professor's, professor's Top 10 list about a particular fishing-related thing, just send me an email and I'll see what I can do about adding it to my list for future top 10s. And that's it for this week's top 10 list. Let's get back to some casting pod style.
Okay, well, that just about wraps up another episode of the Rodcast, and it's been a great episode, if I do say so myself. I want to thank Chris Bishop, the Vice President of Marketing and Sales with Yozuri, for taking the time to talk with us today. What a great batch of advice we got from him about Yozuri lures and tactics for fishing with them. I don't know about you, but that conversation really got me thinking about the artificials I use and the ways in which I use them. And right now, I know that I am jonesing to get back on the water to try out some of Chris's advice. Hey, and speaking of getting out and using artificials, I hope you liked my top 10 mullet imitators countdown and that you'll give those lures a chance on the end of your line too. Now, before I sign off today, I do have a message for our brothers and sisters out there behind the line. The sinker is too heavy. I say again, the sinker is too heavy. And that brings us to the end of this week's Fishing Professor Rodcast. But hey, don't worry, I'll be back next Wednesday with another Cracker Jack episode. If you want to be sure not to miss new episodes and your fish-addled brain just can't remember the basic concept that there are new episodes every Wednesday, you really got two options. Either get that face tattoo that says new episode on the Fishing Professor Rodcast every Wednesday so you see it every day in the mirror, or for the more hardcore radicals out there, just subscribe so you don't miss an episode. As always, please be sure to let all your friends and family know that you listen to the Rodcast and that they should too if they want to be cool like you and say hi to your mom for me. And of course, if you have a comment or question about anything on this week's show or have recommendations for future top 10s, bourbon breaks, interviews, or information about specific fishing-related issues, please feel free to email me at sid at inventafishing.com or leave a reply in any of the comment sections for any of the podcast platforms you use to listen to the Rodcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or friend us on Facebook at Inventafishing, and be sure to check out all the great video content over on the Inventafishing YouTube channel, which includes great gear reviews, new product introductions, and other information. I will be back next week with another episode, and until then, this is Sid Dobrin, the fishing professor. Fish on! The Fishing Professor Show is copyrighted by Inventive Fishing, LLC. Any rebroadcast of the podcast without the consent from Inventive Fishing, LLC is strictly prohibited. Fish on!